0: This week's episode nine is actually going to gear you up for the questions to ask whether you're a parent, and actually they can apply to you being an educator wanting to support your language-based learning difference students. So if this is uh, something that resonates with you, stay tuned and we're going to delve into these questions. Hello, and welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Boss Podcast, the show that helps you not only feel empowered and knowledgeable, but confident and a boss mom in the dyslexia journey. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren. All right, so welcome back to episode nine of the Dyslexia Mom Boss podcast. So as always, I am super excited to delve into today's topic. This is actually a topic that um, was requested, which I love getting requests. Please continue to write to me, um, give some feedback, things that you might find interesting that you need to know to feel like you can advocate Um, Before I delve into today's episode, I definitely want to point, touch on the fact that last week I discussed the difference between specialized private schools versus public school. Now, within that topic, I did delve into specialized private schools versus private schools, because that is definitely an area that some parents don't understand the difference, and um If that's something that you really need to figure out, if that works for you and your family and you're on that journey of trying to figure out what works best for your child and their needs, definitely go back and listen to episode eight. But this week, I am going to really have us focus on five major questions. And so... As I've stated in earlier episodes where we talked about self-regulation and we've talked about pouring into our cup and making sure that we are knowledgeable to support our children within this journey – with that, we have to know how to properly advocate. So, those of you who know me know that I coin the term D cubed. D cubed is dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia. It's uh, it's not as much of a mouthful. So, that is my coined term. So, I will be using that, you know, throughout this episode interchangeably. But I just want you to keep that in mind to know this is an umbrella term. And there are so many questions that parents don't know to ask. And so here's the thing. As I've stated before, you go into the school in hopes that your child's teacher knows how to support your child their needs knows how to differentiate knows how to connect the dots essentially and that's what we do as a society when we need a problem solved a medical problem solved we we're sick we go to the doctor we have a toothache we go to the dentist uh whatever it is and i think with education it's just there's it's it's completely different and so sometimes it can become very adversarial because Teach parents are expecting teachers to know. And then when teachers don't know, then they're backed in a corner. And then they kind of communicate what they know best. And then it, it we're off and running. And basically the child is the one that's suffering the most. And we've seen this, you know, where special education lawyers come in, advocates come to the IEP meeting. It might get as far as it goes to due process. And I mean, it's just why does it have to why does it have to be that way, right? So I really want to equip you today, parents and teachers, because teachers, those of you who are listening to my podcast, those of you who are on my mailing page, you want to change the narrative. You're interested in self-growth. You're interested in realizing that the way you were taught in school is probably not helpful in what your population of students are today. Tackle on pandemic teaching. I mean, there are so many kids that are behind, whether they are dyslexic or they're just struggling readers because they didn't get those foundational skills two, three years ago. These questions are for you as well to know hey, I think that your child may be struggling with X why don't you ask these questions at the IEP meeting? I mean, you can be that advocate for parents as well to give them the voice because then they know that you're partnering. And remember, I look at this as a partnership. This is not parents versus teachers and teachers versus parents. I speak to that because I wear both hats. So- Let's delve right into these questions. So five questions that parents and educators can ask to start that conversation about advocating for the D-cubed. Remember, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia. All right, so the first question is something that I get a lot too. So how is the term specific learning disability different from a term like dyslexia? Now, SLD is one of the 13 categories in IDEA the Individuals Disability Education Act. <clears throat> so think of it as there are all of these categories. Within the category, there are subcategories. So when you have a child that has SLD, specific learning disability, on an IEP, it's, that's legal, that's appropriate. You can put that there. But you have to take it a step further why are we not explaining what that is? That can be a plethora of reasons. It could be the school district's policy. It could be the school doesn't want to put it there. It could be that if we state SLD with the primary disability being dyslexia, that means that it's put in a legal document Then now our teachers need to know how to screen, how to intervene, how to teach how to differentiate to this specific learner. And the bottom line is we know that teacher prep prep programs do not prepare our teachers to know how to teach our DQB students. So from my experience at the IEP table, keeping SLD is a safety net. And being an experienced special educator working in specialized private schools, when I would see that, I would say, I think this, this child actually might have dyscalculia. Why is that not on the IEP? So That's different from dyslexia because dyslexia is a more specific learning disability that falls under SLD. And as I said, some school districts may not either feel comfortable putting that on the IEP, or they may not want to, or maybe they just don't know. And I know things have shifted and changed in the last two years Um, I left the public school system four years ago, so I know that my county, when I left, they were shifting to put um, dyslexia on the IEP because there were so many parents that were angry about it. So that is question number one. As a parent, go into a meeting, talk to a teacher. How is the term SLD different from a term like dyslexia? Now, here's another catch-22. You may know that answer. You may be testing that teacher or that special educator. And I think that's perfectly fine because that shows that you're knowledgeable. Just remember to, to have your self-regulation tools and strategies. Um, understand your triggers. Understand where where you're coming from and what your intent is. So if your intent is to trap a, a special educator to attack them, remember Uh, managing emotions in IEP meetings. Well, that's not, that's that we're not coming from a partnership lens. We're coming from an adversarial lens of I'm going to gotcha. Like this isn't a gotcha. Remember, keep your eyes on the prize. We are focusing on making sure our children get what they need. Okay. So I think it's okay to have it as a quote quiz let's see if the special educator knows a difference. And if not, use that as an opportunity to educate. And I think that's again, where we need to move the needle. All right. Question two, can a school identify a specific learning disability and then use terms like D-cubed in its evaluation? The short answer is yes. And I got to tell you, you know, for the longest time, I was like, no, they can't. Um they can't, and, and and I kept questioning myself, like, but why can't they? And I think a lot of it truly is, it's a poor reflection on the school district if they, um, are putting that there and they don't have teachers that can provide these interventions, then that makes them not look as credible, or it makes them not look as. Um, You know, let's just say as wealthy as they're as they're putting out or whatever it is. I'm thinking of big school districts like my county was a big school district. So The short answer is yes. School psychologists and other specialized instructional support personnel in collaboration with the parents and the educators, they can use a comprehensive evaluation that can state here is the specific learning disability, but here is the actual root of that learning disability. Here's the bottom line, guys. We can't solve a problem if we don't know the root cause. So if we're slapping SLD on an IEP or a 504, depending on how your school district works, and again, I'm speaking from the lens of public school. If you're going to a specialized private school, these questions don't really need to be asked because you're there for a reason. You're paying tuition for a certain kind of intervention that your child was not afforded in public school because your tax dollars were paying for something that you weren't getting to support your child's needs. I digress. I I went on a tangent on that, but I, I feel like it was a necessary tangent. But how do we solve a problem if we just have SLD? So then it's a shot in the dark. So then, when we get to our secondary students, um, I always use examples with our second with secondary students, and I think a lot of it is because I saw a lot of holes and gaps. By the time kids got to seventh and eighth grade, it's like, what's going on here? Why can't they write? What's going on here? What's up with their reading comprehension? What's going on here? they're They're functioning on a second grade math level. Like call it what it is. Call a spade a spade. Call, there's an elephant in the room here. Are we just going to ignore it? Or are we just going to keep passing them along? Not okay. So the short answer is yes, a school psychologist and other um, service providers can put that in the um, evaluation, that psychological evaluation. And and that's important to have that in that report. Question three, can terms like D-cubed, dyslexia, dysgraphy, dyscalculia be used in a child's evaluation in IEP. Again, yes, specific terms can only help the child's learning disability to know their strengths and needs, right? And so I say disability, I want I wanna put a caveat in there. Some folks get really, really bothered, hot and bothered with the word disability. And I respect that. While some folks get really, really upset when they hear invisible disability. And then some folks just like, Learning difference, and I think you know I, I I put that out there because I want people to know that I'm speaking to various people in this um, in this world, and I think everyone's journey is different. And I know that some folks feel if they got early interventions, their confidence and self esteem is you know, decent enough where they view it as a difference versus someone who maybe was diagnosed later in life, they're undiagnosed or diagnosed but didn't know the root cause of their difference really disabled them from graduating or disabled them from becoming their their best self in terms of being able to apply for a job and being able to keep their finances in order. And so in that case, that is a disability because that's a handicap that – is not setting you up for success. So that was my little commercial break on, I use I use the phrases differences and disability interchangeably, so I don't want to offend anyone. But if we don't use those terms in the evaluation and on the IEP, that's another thing too. I've seen things in an evaluation and then you have this IEP or a 504 and it doesn't, it's like, it, it doesn't add up. And I'm confused by that, <laughs> you know? And I think... I think sometimes you can get an outside evaluation and that might be more uh, meatier because you maybe you're going to a neuropsychologist who will give you that diagnosis and then you bring that to the school and maybe they're not comfortable putting it on there. So they just slap SLD or maybe even worse, they just put LD, which is learning disabled and that's a whole different conversation. So again... Let's talk about the big elephant in the room. Yes, they can be on the evaluation and the IEP. Question four, are these legal resources, I'm sorry, are there legal resources for school to avoid terms like dysgraphia, dys, dyscalculia, and um, dyslexia? I'm like smiling because the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. There's like something I don't know what it is. But I remember when I was in public school, I really think everyone assumed there was some legal reason why you couldn't put it on the IEP. And so in my state of Maryland, I remember I was like connecting with some folks in decoding dyslexia. And I connected with a woman who was running the the state's chapter. And she was in a county like really far away from me. And I was Shocked that she actually had shared, no, 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 it's just by county that they decide to not put it on there. And I, I literally, I literally was like, I had a moment of anger, like, well, actually, it was longer than a moment, but I was thinking here I was sitting in these meetings and I was told I couldn't really express to some parents my experiences working in these specialized schools because then that would trigger. Hey, well, maybe maybe she can do this, and then it was a domino effect of like, well, then I'm the only special educator that can provide this skill or provide this service, and that's not fair because I had a whole caseload and I had a whole bunch of classes I was co-teaching and you know so it it, it just got to this 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 really tricky space where I just assumed there was a legal reason why we couldn't put it on there, but the US Department of Education has made it clear that nothing prevents a school from using these terms in the evaluation uh, to determine eligibility or an IEP within that process. And I really feel like parents need to hear that. You know, you need to hear that, you need to push back again in a very respectful, but but in an advocacy sense. You know, we want to partner. We, want, we don't want to become adversarial, but we also want to get what we need. Remember, keep the child, the student at the main focus. We want to make sure they're getting what they need. So I just think that that question right there, I mean, you can, you can hit them with the question. Hey, are there legal reasons why you guys will not put this term? in the IEP. And then you can just circle back and say, well, the Department of Education made it clear that there's nothing preventing it. So can you please tell me why? And I think, unfortunately, that will expose their teachers' abilities. I mean, nobody wants to feel inept. Nobody wants to feel inadequate. No one wants to feel like, well, gosh, I've been teaching for 15 years and I've wronged all these kids. You know, gosh, I've been doing this for 40 years and So you're telling me that I've screwed up all these kids that, you know, like whatever it is, no one wants to feel like that. Just like you don't want to feel like you're a bad parent. You don't want to feel like you, um, you know, have that mom guilt where you're like, I didn't know my child had this until the pandemic or I didn't know um, until whatever. And I think we just need to rid the guilt. We need to just keep it moving, keep it pushing again. There's what's the big elephant in the room? Let's call it what it is and keep it moving because we wanna change the narrative, right? That's why we're here. All right, the fifth and final question, how can using specific terms like D-cubed impact the interventions selected for a child? Now, first things first, that can be an episode within itself. You need to know the root cause of what the disability is and the problem to know what interventions to put in. So if you have a child who was severely dyslexic um, and then let's say that math is a weak point, but they can still do on grade level math but might need extra time, why are you going to give them – a modified version of the math curriculum when that's fine. You need to know what the problem is and where the data lies and where the discrepancies are and where are their lows and their highs and all that. And then that's when you create the appropriate intervention. The thing that frustrates teachers and parents the most is we're not calling it what it is and we don't have the right systems put in to support the child. So, again, I've sat in meetings where the parent's perspective is my child is not making progress. My child is not decoding at the level that I'd like. And then you have, let's say, the reading specialist and they're like, oh, no, they're on grade level. They were comprehending and doing this and my data supports that. And it's like we're yelling at each other at this table because we're not seeing eye to eye. And why is that the case? Probably because the right intervention is not put into place. There's a lack of understanding from either the parent and or teacher to know what the problem is. I mean, you 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 can't do that again. I go back to the dentist or the um, medical example. If you're if you have a rotting tooth, and I, I don't know why I keep giving that example, but if you have a rotting tooth and you go to the dentist and they're just like. Oh, yeah, you know, we're just going to do a, a cleaning. You know, we're, we're going to floss it. We're going to clean it. I'm going to do some extra cleaning back there because it looks a little dirty. And then you leave and you're like, uh, like, my tooth is still like hurting. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're fine. Just, just give it some time, give it some time. It'll heal. It'll get better. You know, everybody's different. I mean, it's the same. It's the same bullshit. I mean, it really is. Why are we going to slap a Band-Aid on a, on a problem that we don't even know? Like, maybe the tooth needs to be extracted. Maybe we need to go in and do a root canal. Maybe we need to, I don't even know, Um, put a filling in. I don't know. But like, you can't just say, oh, no, no, no. Every, every kid learns differently. Oh, they'll get it. Oh, you know what? This is one of my favorites. But they're, but they're such a sweet participant and they just love to learn. That's not helpful. That's not an intervention. Like, interventions are driven by data. Like, you need to know, like, where is this kid starting? What's our end goal? Do we have SMART goals put in place? Where are we going? You know, and also here's the thing. Here's the thing that I know public school teachers um, really struggle with. First of all, they got 35 kids in a classroom or 30, whatever it is. Um, and I have much respect for elementary school teachers in public school. I could never do that. That's way too many kids, way too many stations, way too many popsicle sticks and stickers and all of that. So I loved that I started my career with 12 kids. <laughs> and even though they had great needs, it, I had I had a lot of help in my classroom. But but public school teachers don't have the time to sit there and collect the data. And I mean, they, we're supposed to. We are. We really, truly are. But if we're not doing it in a way where we can check daily on a child's progress, you know what happens if we look at the MTSS approach, then that child might stay in tier three for for the whole school year. Well, that's a problem. That means the intervention's not working. And it, instead of blaming the child, or instead of you know saying, "Well, we need to keep these IEP goals on here for another year because they're not making progress," we have to look at where that intervention is and how we can get the child to like you know for it to stick. And I think that's the exhausting part for public school teachers. And I absolutely, absolutely understand that. But to to conclude this question. It's really important at the end of the day to use those specific terms so you can actually get an understanding of what that intervention is that you're looking for for that student. So with that being said, those are the five questions that parents can ask. So I'm going to um, summarize them really quickly. How is the term SLD different from dyslexia? That was question one that we delved into. Question two, can a school identify an SLD and then use the terms D-cubed in its evaluation? That's a really good question. Question three, can terms like dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia, D-cubed, be useful in a child's IEP and evaluation? Can are there legal reasons? Question four, are there legal reasons to avoid these D-cube terms? And the last and fifth final question is, how can using these specific D-cube terms impact the intervention selected for a child? So I want you to go back and re-listen to this episode. Um, If you need to jot those questions down, I want you to go into the school year Um, If you're listening to this, this is mid-August, I want you to go into the school year feeling like a boss, knowing what questions to ask, feeling like you can support your child, and that you can walk into this being um, a partnership with your child's teacher. So with that being said, we are um, at the end of the episode. I hope that you enjoyed this one. I know this was one that um, a mom asked for how do we advocate for our our children, you know? And I think that that is a valid question. So next week, we are going to talk about how to approach the IEP in 504 meetings. Why is it always a fight? Why does it have to be a fight? So- Um, previous episodes, I talk about managing emotions in the IEP meetings. Now, you all want to know how do you approach it? And I think that that is a topic that I cannot wait to explore. So as usual, please be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Dr. Lauren. um, At the Dr. Lauren, I was about to put in my email address. (laughs) I'm so used to saying that. Um, So follow me on Instagram. Be sure to um, get on my mailing list um, for any, you know, trainings or information, newsletters, things of that nature. And be sure to subscribe, like, and share this podcast with anybody that you think might find it helpful. I will see you all next week.